The Church Media Podcast, episode number 72, How to Be a Millennial Leader with Jonathan Pearson. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create a dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. Show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online at 1230media.com/podcast. And now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media. Here's your host, Church Media Coach Carl Barnhill. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. I'm Carl Barnhill. This is the definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build a solid, thriving volunteer culture at your church. For those of you new to the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to drop me a line at carl, C-A-R-L, at 1230media.com. That's the word 12, the word 30, the word media, all spelled out, carl at 1230media.com. I'd love to talk with you about your team and get to know you a little bit more. So again, my email is carl, C-A-R-L, at 1230media.com. Feel free to email me today. Today on the program, I welcome Jonathan Pearson to the show. Jonathan serves at Cornerstone Community Church in Orangeburg, South Carolina. He was instrumental in launching MillennialLeader.com, resourcing young leaders with tools to lead their teams well, and that's what we want you to, you guys to do. I talked with Jonathan about how your church can reach more millennials and young families, how to be a better leader, the importance of preparation, his new book, Next Up, his podcast, and more. You're going to be encouraged today. Sit back, relax, grab your Evernote and a coffee, and let's get started. Jonathan Pearson takes the hot seat moments away. And now, your church media resource of the week. Software, websites, gadgets, and tools that will resource your creativity and your ministry. Hey there, this is James Wassum from Great Church Sound with your church media resource of the week. Today I'd like to talk about groups, specifically groups that are dedicated to helping church sound techs be better at what they do and how they serve at their church. There are a number of Facebook groups dedicated to helping church sound techs. One of the largest and most popular Facebook groups is the Church Sound and Media Techs group. Just search Facebook for Church Sound Media Techs. If you're a smaller church, you'll probably find some great pointed advice and information at the Small Church Sound Media Text Group. Another great group is the Behind the Mixer Tech Team, run by Chris Huff and Brian Gowing. Church Sound System Central Station is also another great Facebook group. And of course, feel free to check out the Great Church Sound Text Group, where we explore all kinds of interesting audio topics for Tech Tip Tuesday, Fun Fact Friday, and lots of other church sound-themed content. You can find all of these groups on your Facebook page by going to the search bar and typing in the group name. Just ask to join each group, and when you're approved, you'll be able to post and share within the group page. For more free resources for your team, visit 1230media.com slash training. Yeah. 
This is an exclusive interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get shareable content and free resources for your team at 1230media.com slash podcast. Here's Carl now. Hey guys, I welcome on the line Jonathan Pearson. Jonathan is a campus pastor, or the campus pastor rather, at Cornerstone Community Church in Orangeburg, South Carolina. He's the co-creator of MillennialLeader.com, an online resource for young leaders. He's also the assistant director of the Sticks Network, a network for pastors and leaders in small towns. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to have me. Now, you are a fellow South Carolinian over in Orangeburg, so the the major question, we've got to get it out of the way, is where you stand on football. That is, uh, that's it, man. Um, well, I mean, I, I stand with the uh, the rest of the, the saved people in South Carolina. I, I'm a, a Gamecock fan. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Okay. My wife okay. Gra- wife graduated from USC. I, I did not. I actually uh, graduated from uh, a Christian school in Charleston, but uh, she graduated from USC, and I've always been a Gamecock fan. So, yeah, I'm a, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm very committed to my Gamecock. I'm not, okay. not a Tiger hater, but definitely a Gamecock fan. So. Okay, so you are a Christian. Okay, so at least we got that uh, out of the way. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly. You were, you were going to kind of start to start to evangelize there. So I'm glad, I'm glad I agreed with you on that one. <laughs> That's right. All right, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of the journey that, that God has brought you on the last few years. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm one of those that, you know, people make the joke that they had a drug problem as a child. They were drugged to church every time the doors were uh-huh. open, and that was that was kind of me, kind of me growing up. So I started early in, in ministry, just trying, kind of diving in um, early on, uh, volunteering anywhere I could, um, which is which is I know we're talking to millennials a good bit today, which is a great little tip for millennials: don't wait till you get a position, but just start serving immediately. And so, yeah. started serving in different areas uh, early on, and uh, got the call to full time ministry uh, as a high schooler. And so at that point, you know, just kind of kind of had a passion to serve, and so I started serving in, you know, kids' ministry, started speaking, started doing some stuff through, throughout college. Graduated from college, my wife in college, uh, got married the week after graduation, and moved to a little town in South Carolina, um, and uh, call, uh, called Nieces, which is right near Norway and Denmark. Um, <laughs> nice. Which, which sounds a lot bigger than it is, but they're small towns in South Carolina, and then eventually came to... Orangeburg a year and a half later. Um, okay, so I know where Orangeburg is, and uh, so you're you're an assistant director at the Sticks Network, which very much relates to <laughs> where you are. Tell me about the Sticks Network and how you founded that. Well, the, the, the Sticks Network, the vision of the uh, you know, uh, the Sticks actually originated out in um, uh, out kind of in the Midwest area. And um, the funding kind of fell out from under. It was, it was a conference originally, and so they called our lead pastor one day and said, "Can you take this?" And so I, it's been about five years ago. We just kind of took it on, um, and we've tried, we've tried to make it uh, less conference and more hands-on. And so um, for the last few years, we've tried to do some smaller one-day kind of conference events geared towards leaders in smaller towns. Um, you know, those small-town guys are, are facing a completely different um, different level of stuff and a different uh, category of issues than, than a lot of times bigger city uh, pastors, even bigger city pastors and small churches seem to face different different issues. And and so anyway, so it's, it's, it's geared with a heart towards the leader that's in the small town, kind of feels alone and that sort of stuff. So um, it's been a, been a great opportunity to help um, other other leaders. And we're, 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 tra- we're actually in the middle of transitioning kind of what that looks like now 
to, to better focus on small towns specifically. Gotcha. Now, you're a millennial, as am I, and you're the creator, co-creator of MillennialLeader.com. Tell me about the blog and what that website's all about. Well, uh, to be honest with you, uh, MillennialLeader.com never really transpired into exactly the vision that was behind it. The vision behind it was um, to be more of a networking kind of site for, for young leaders that are kind of in development, kind of um, give young leaders uh people like them and like-minded um, and like age to kind of bounce things off of, talk to, talk with things, through things, and to kind of network better. Uh, we've never quite gotten there uh, just because of um, just because of the, I, I guess, the, the resources that we have. But what it, what it's transpired into is it's, it's transpired into a blog that's that, that, that reposts from other places, but they're geared towards young leaders. All the posts on there are geared towards young leaders. And so, um, you know, each each post, we, we have some free resources on there. We do have um, a, a way for you to kind of list yourself so that you can kind of be in this little community that we've developed. Um, but it's really geared towards young leaders. I think there's, there's a lot of leadership blogs out there, and there's a lot of leadership blogs that talk about millennial, millennials, but there's not a ton of resources just for millennials. And so that's kind of what we've tried to do with that. Now, this is a question that I get asked a lot, and that is how do I – reach uh, millennials? As, uh, how does my church reach millennials? So maybe you could ask it, uh, I can ask you this way. Why do you think the church isn't reaching millennials? Well, I, I, uh, I wrote a blog post a while back um, called actually uh, why, why Your Church Isn't Reaching Millennials. And, you know, this is, I think really for every generation, um, uh, companies, uh, services, the church, um, they have to kind of retool how they're, how they're marketing, how they're um, utilizing their resources for that current generation. And so why the, the current, the, the generation that we're, that we're in always seems extremely different than the generation before it. You know, it's always, it's always, this is the most blank generation we've ever seen. And so I don't think we're necessarily facing a new problem. I think it just it's a problem that looks different from a different angle because it is kind of a different generation. And so, uh, so you know, the, the, the millennial generation is is one that's that's um, that that I, in, in that blog post I list some reasons why your church isn't reaching millennials. Basically, what I'm saying is is we all have to adjust to every generation. This is just another adjust, adjustment. In the past generation, one of the things ways the church adjusted was it kind of brought into the contemporary church scene. And so it kind of it kind of did away with the, their, their parents' religion, so to speak, and showed this new way of, of worshiping. And I think that was great for the previous generation. And I, I think um, that uh, a little more show, a little more experience way of worshiping was great. I think it did a lot of great things. I think we see some great, we've seen God do some great things through that. Um, but I think it's also one of the reasons why churches aren't reaching millennials now is because they've been stuck in that um, extremely performance-based worship service. And, you know, it's, it's not that hard now for a millennial to get a hold of good music, for a millennial to get a hold of a good concert video or a good con- I mean, that's literally available in 10 seconds now off of my iPhone. And so one of the ways that I think, one of the reasons I think the church isn't reaching millennials today is because we're trying to compete with something. We're trying to compete with the world in something that we're never going to win. We never have, we're never going to have enough money to do the same concert as Beyonce can do. We're never going to have enough resources. We're never going to make it look good enough. And so I think what we have to do is we have to provide more depth 
than just show. Sure, it needs to be excellent, excellent because God demands excellent, but we have to go a little deeper in that. And so I think one of the reasons the church didn't reach millennials is because they're about more show than they're about debt. I think also, I think the other side of that coin is we forget about excellence. And so what we do is we swing so far away from being a show and we swing to that authenticity part that we often, I think, some churches forget that it still has to be excellent. And the third one that, that I've listed in that blog post is, is the millennials can't find um, anyone like them. I think uh, churches for a while now have been a little hesitant to place millennials in places of leadership because of kind of the stigma that comes with them. And so what that's led to is it's led to the millennials that are coming into the church. They don't see anybody in leadership like them. And while the millennial generation does respect the older generation, um, they want to see some people like them. And so I think as, 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 overall, the church has kind of dropped the ball in the last few years. Um, in those three ways specifically, of course, there's, there's always more. But those are the three that I kind of outlined in, in the blog post that I wrote several months ago. Do you think there's a stigma that um, maybe millennials are more shallow? For, for instance, um, I think that like a, a lot of uh, friends of mine or people that I uh, interact with, the churches that I, I'm getting to partner with, a lot of the millennials now are really after more depth than either their church is providing or maybe uh, there's a stigma on millennials that, that they're a little more shallow or a little more uh, inspirational talk, concert-driven. Is that true across the board? What, what's your take on that? I, you know, I would from, from the ones that I talk to, from, from, from my peers, and just as I've, I've watched this thing kind of grow, and, you know, I, I think from what I've seen and from what, um, from what I've kind of witnessed over the last few years doing this thing, I think I, I would say it's, it's actually the opposite. I think um, churches may be offering more of that shallow show kind of thing, um, but I think millennials want something completely different. I think we want more depth. I was, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and, um, you know, I was, I was telling them that, you know, our parents' generation um, saw their parents live a faith that said, I have to go to church, I have to do this, I have to do this. And and so they almost kind of got a bad taste in their mouth for it. And so they kind of come with this contemporary church movement that, that once again, I think has done a ton of good. Um, and, and so they kind of blew the water off the traditional, I just have to go to church thing. But I think my generation is coming up, and they're like, I see the show, but I can get the show anywhere. I don't have to go very far to get the show. I mean, my iPhone has has unlimited music on it that I can stream immediately that sounds a lot better than what I'm going to get at most churches. And so I think from from my perspective, millennials want more depth. They want, they want to go a little deeper. Now, we can't go too deep too fast because you don't teach your two-year-old or your one-year-old who's trying to walk how to ride a bicycle, drive a car, and everything at once. And so I don't think we can go too deep too fast, but I do think they want more substance. They want to know um, even though there's this, this idea that no one wants truth anymore, I think if we're going to claim it as truth, that they want to know why it's the truth. And so I think that's one of the ways the churches are going to, is going to have to readapt. And, and the good thing is, is that I, I personally, I see that. Uh, I see uh, the, ch- the churches that, at least from my perspective, are, are starting to get that, and they're starting to offer something a little deeper um, than just kind of the feel-good, inspirational how-to talk. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I would think that I would say that millennials want deeper. They're tired of the show. So, and you answered this a, a little bit, but let's talk music. Do you think that all millennials are after a concert-driven uh, style of church? 
Yeah, you know, I think I think there's a fine line there. I think millennials are going to spot it if it's terrible. Um, and so, but they also that that buzzword that almost means nothing anymore. They also want it authentic. Um, you know, they want to see worship, and I, th- I think that's one of the reasons why um, I'm even seeing more millennials kind of move towards a more charismatic form of worship. I think, um, you know, they want to see something real, something that changes them, something that um, something that they see as tangible. Um, and so they want to see it authentic, but the other side of that coin, we tend to jerk away from that, and, and we tend to just fly by the seat of our pants, and, and then it ends up not being good. And so millennials want it real, but they also want it good. And so I, I think uh, there, there, there's, a, there's a tight rope to walk there. Um, and, and I think that's obviously up to the leadership of the church to make sure that it's it's real and it's good. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about ways that we can be a better leader. We minister to a lot of church media directors, guys lead in volunteer teams, that sort of thing. A lot of young leaders, too. So I want to just kind of get your thoughts on how to be a better leader. So most of these are directed right at millennials, but I'm sure can apply to uh, a leader of any age. So talk about the importance of slowing down first. It's so tempting to be in a hurry all the time. Talk about the importance of slowing down. Yeah, it it is. Um, And, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, we we talk about hustle, hustle, hustle. I think that's kind of a a popular word, and especially like startups and and that sort of stuff. And and hustle is absolutely important. Uh, We're not going to get, leaders are not going to go up the ladder in their organizations. They're not going to get things done. They're not going to be generational kind of leaders if they don't get off their butt and do something. Hustle is important. And so when we talk about slowing down, we can't, we can't slow down that we forget that there's not times where you have to speak up. Um, but at the same time, slowing down is important. It's important that we have those, those things that, that, that fill us up. You know, one of the things that we often say is if you can't, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. And, you know, and that's true. And, and through that, I think, uh, one of the best ways we can do that is, is, is through, um, being organized. Um, through productivity systems. I think uh, anything that has a system doesn't crash too hard because it has something to catch it. Um, and so as leaders, that's our job. It's our job to, to take time to put those systems into place, even if they're personal systems, personal systems of how to manage time, how to manage family, how to how to get enough rest, how to, how to exercise. I mean, it's important that we have those systems in our lives um, to, 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 to be intentional about about slowing down. And, you know, I think one of the things that as we look through, especially uh, the life of Jesus, we see is we see that he knew, even he knew when to slow down, and he also knew when he had to get stuff done. Um, you know, you see he went to a quiet time, or he retreats, or he gets away with his disciples. Um, but also, you see him in Scripture like he's almost like trying to trying to get to a lot of places in a hurry. And so it's all about kind of this rhythm of, of, of hurry and rest, and hurry and rest that that I think as leaders we have to we have to understand we have to come to kind of get control of in our in our own lives otherwise we're gonna we're gonna burn out. Are there some favorite tools that you use a project management system that you prefer or anything like that? There are there are you know I think I think that's one of those things that that you know the more and more I talk about it it's different for everyone and I see different things um, work for everyone for some people it's. It's a sheet of paper and a pencil. For some people, it's 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 a task management software. Um, but the important thing is, is you find what's right for you. Um, I use a couple of different things. I use Todoist um, for um, the teams that I work with. Um, 
because we can collaborate on it. Um, but I have, in the last few months, switched to to, to do the number two, D O, um, just because it's a little more robust. It lets um, with notes and stuff. It lets you lets you have a little more control. There's a little more search function in there, and so that's what I use for my personal life and for my personal um, work. Uh, is to do, um, but to do us with teams. Um, both of those are worth worth checking out. Mm-hmm. To do us is is free up front. To do does require a little. Um, a little uh, investment, so I would recommend to do us first uh, to try to check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- those, those those things. I, one of the things that our the way that our brains work is we have to get things out of our brain in order for it to quit running in that loop that continues to to focus on that task. So if I if I realize that uh, as a pastor tomorrow I need to go to the hospital and see Bob, well, every time something reminds me of Bob, I think, again, i got to go to the hospital tomorrow and see Bob. Well, if I can put that somewhere where I can trust that it's safe, then the next time that something triggers that, I'm like, oh, okay, I got that. And so I don't have to continue on this constant reminder that I need to go see Bob tomorrow because it's somewhere I trust. And, I mean, trying to keep tasks in our head, I mean, that within itself can, can wear us out. And so it's important that we have some sort of system, some safe place to put things uh, so that we don't have to continue to think about those and continue to process those in our mind. Because it, it, as maybe as ridiculous and as simple as it sounds, that does require effort to do that. And so it's important that we have those systems. And um, even if it's just something we do personally, or even if it's something that uh, is just a piece of paper uh, and a pen, it's important we have something. That's good. Uh, d- talk to me about the importance of preparation. Do you have any preparation tips? Uh, I do. Um, one of the things is, <laughs> and you, know, you can this certainly plays out in task management when you start a big project. Um, one of the things that uh, some a lot of systems will recommend is just brain dumping everything you have to do for that project. Although, don't think of it as okay. Well, I need to organize um, vacation Bible school this year. But, but dump all those tasks out because any, any assignment that we're giving, a sermon, um, a small group of curriculum we're supposed to write, a launching small groups, anything like that can be broken down. And so if I look at something from the outside and I look at it in this big, huge chunk, it is going to completely overpower me. All of that stuff, BBS, um, a ser- even writing a sermon, even if we do that every week, it all seems so huge. But the first step of preparation to me is breaking that down so that it's digestible. Um, and so that would be my first thing is don't think of it in this big, scary way, but think of it as individual steps to complete a big project. Otherwise, you're going to look at it and you're going to think, there's, there's, there's no way I'm going to get this done. And so that's, that, that's my biggest part when it comes to preparation. Um, one of the things that um, kind of the, 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 the words – the word, one of the words that I think about the most is consistency. Um, I think consistency is one of those things that's lacking um, in the millennial generation, in leadership and in church leadership specifically, is consistently, number one, being the person that you are, but number two, showing up to work and doing and getting done what you've got to get done. And so we can, we can prep, but if we're not consistently showing up to get the work done, then that preparation is going to fall through. Um, and so, you know, uh, so prep, break it, break down, break down the projects. Don't think of it as this huge thing. Um, even in budgeting and stuff like that, break it down, break it down to its smallest elements so that you can begin to accomplish something, but also be consistent after the preparation to actually get the job done. 
some of history's greatest ideas are sitting on a whiteboard in a, in a meeting room because nobody was willing to prepare and then have the consistency to get them done. Hmm. Uh, how far out do you guys plan, like a sermon series or something like that? How far out is your planning? Uh, well, ideally, <laughs> and I say that with a smile on my face, um, but ideally we are we plan a whole year of topics out. And so um, and so within that, you know, we know that a lot of times in February we're going to do a relationship series. Um, a lot of times, you know, Christmas is going to kind of, we're at least going to know it's going to be kind of themed around Christmas. And so kind of those overarching themes, we try to at least get the whole year planned out. And then around October, we sit down for the next year. Um, you know, within that, we build in some summer, we build in some uh, one-off kind of things. And within that, we don't, we don't really know until, uh, say, a month ahead what those one-off kind of sermons are going to be. But uh, we try. We like to have those big ideas about a year, and then, and and then, this by about three months before a series starts, we know what it's going to be called. We know pretty much what those individual weeks are going to be, and um, and and then we kind of kind of break it down from there. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think to, to me, at least in my perspective, and from the people that I talk to, I think. Um, some of that, some of even that is kind of changing, it seems like, um, the way that churches are doing that stuff. Um, it's not quite as planned out as far in advance as say it was five years ago. Um, and that, that's just my perspective. I could be completely off base. My limited people that I, that I keep in contact with. But, um, you know, the people that were planning a year ahead seem to be like six months out now. And so they kind of be, seem to be a little more free. And maybe that's just because, um, Culture is changing faster, and we're trying to speak to culture or whatever it might be. But it seems like it seems like that window. Have you? Have, are you seeing that from from your perspective? I think I'm with you in that. Usually, uh, the churches that are really on top of it will kind of plan out a year, but but three to six months is really where they're living on a day to day, and then even in that three to six month period, you know, if they want to speak to culture or whatever, they have the ability to move a series out yeah. and then plop one in or, or something like that. There's some flexibility there if they want to speak to a specific uh, topic, but um, that's usually kind of it. So a, a year do, do, out, six months, then, you know, three to six months of, of flex. Do you think has, have you changed any in the last year or two or three? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, um, you know, maybe churches aren't planning as far out, and I think some of that has to do with, uh, the the vibe in our culture now. Obviously, you know, politics has played a big part this year where people, a, a lot of churches want to do a political uh, series, uh, uh-huh. theme series, where they might not have planned for it simply because yeah. they didn't know the climate would be <laughs> so yeah. rocky yeah. as it has been this year. And so, you know, so yeah, I think I'm noticing some of the same things. Okay. Um, now, you, you published a book in 2014 uh, called uh, Next Up, Eight Shifts Great Leaders Make, uh, Young Leaders Make. Uh, walk me through those. What are some next steps that we need to take uh, in our influence and leadership? Well, the, the central idea around that book was, you know, the, the, the premise, I guess you would call it, from a, from a publishing perspective, was within the next 10 years, um, a lot of churches and organizations in general are going to be transitioning senior leadership out. Um, if you think about church specifically, the most, a lot of contemporary churches that were planted early on in the movement are about 20 to 25 years old now. 
And so those senior leaders are going to be transitioning out, and they're going to need people to pass the torch to. Those organizations aren't going to die, hopefully. Um, and so this, the whole idea behind this book was what can we as millennials do now and young leaders do now to get ready to hold that baton when it's passed to us? And so I started you know, kind of thinking about my peers, thinking about even myself, uh, and the whole idea around the book is is to to make some some shifts now so that we'll be prepared to hold those organizations later. And so the whole the whole book throughout is is um, shifting from from one stereotype that a lot of millennials carry to what we should be. So chapter chapter one is from entitlement to honor. A lot of times we feel as millennials one of the the, the the kind of the knocks on us is that we've, we're entitled. Um, well, how can we now begin to shift from having an attitude of entitlement to having an attitude of, of honoring others, of honoring senior leaders? Um, one of them is from unreliable to consistent. I talked about that a little earlier, being consistent. Um, how can you go from being someone who most of the time gets the job done to someone who can be counted on to get the job done? Because that's what you're going to have to be. Uh, when you become those senior leaders, from pride to humility. I mean, one of the most talked about leadership traits I can think of is humility. So how can we now begin to become humble leaders? Um, I think that's one of the stigma of our generation, again, is that we're we're prideful because we've had everything given to us. Well, how can we go ahead and begin to fix that so that we can be ready? Um, from, from premature to patient, um, how can we be people that are <laughs> that are impatient, always ready to go, 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 always making decisions before they really need to be made to people that are patient, patient with other people, patient with uh, what God's doing. Um, God's, a, God's a patient God, and the more I read Scripture, the more I see that um, He is truly patient with us, and He also never moves at the speed that we think He's going to move, because He's patient, not, uh, obviously not wanting any to perish, but so the whole book is written around, written around that idea that we can go ahead and begin now to be ready uh, when our call to be the next up leader um, uh, is. It, but when it, whenever that call comes, we can begin to become those kind of leaders now so that we'll be ready. Now, you published a book uh, last year called The Productive Pastor Handbook. Uh, tell me about that. Was that. Did that include some of the tools that you mentioned earlier, or what, what's that book all about? Yeah, it did. Um, and the idea behind that was um, that actually um, Church Mag Press, who published that just just as an electronic file, um, kind of wanted me to, to write from a perspective of being a pastor. And, and as I wrap my head around being a young pastor, obviously, but one that has a lot of irons in the fire, um, you know, what what's really the idea of productivity? Like, it's not just to get stuff done. It's not just to to check off a to-do list, but really the idea behind it is to free ourselves up so that we can do the things that we're really passionate about, and that's people, that's loving people, that's um, serving people, that's meeting people where they are, that's that's seeing people come to know Jesus. And so how do we get those other things that we just have to do, because because they are important, but they're part of the job, how can we get those things done in the most productive manner, in the quickest manner, so that we can move on to that stuff that we really feel called to do? And so I do, I kind of outline um, how to handle email. Um, I outline um, productivity systems and, and just, just different techniques and that sort of stuff um, within that uh, to try to set up the pastor. It kind of, it, it kind of starts at a ground level. It's, it's not extremely advanced, um, but try to implement some of those things to where we can, we can move on to, to what really counts, and that's people. 
so you you also host a podcast too on this uh, this idea of next up. Uh, tell tell me some of your favorite topics that you guys have talked about, or maybe some of the questions that you've gotten. Yeah, we you know that's one of those things that we just we just enjoy doing. It's just a friend of mine and I usually. I mean, we've had we've had some guests on there. Um, Brad Mominick was on there a couple of months ago. You know, we've we've, we've had some some different guests. Uh, Ron Edmondson. Um, but what I mean, we, we just we just enjoy talking talking leadership, and so it's just kind of usually it's kind of unscripted. Um, but uh, one one of my favorite um, topics that we've we've that we've handled recently was about how how to manage a young family. I think that's one of those things that, that often in leadership we don't think about talking about because it's not part of our, our quote, job. And so we've talked about how to manage family. And a lot of times we talk about, like, kind of the same ideas as the Next Up book, how to handle these attitudes that we should be, that we should be developing. How do you, how do you develop those things? And, and also I, 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 want, I want them to be encouraging, too. I, wanted to, I want the, the leader that listens to the podcast to think, okay, well, there's somebody struggling with me. And uh, but 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 we can get past this. We can we can we can improve this. And so, you know, there's there, there's been there's been several things that, that we've hit on that that we've had some had some great response to. That the family thing was um, was was a big one. And uh, and like I said, we we just enjoy doing it. I don't I don't I don't even know how many people really listen. <laughs> but 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 we like doing it, and so uh, we we keep doing it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so big overarching question: What's the answer? How do churches reach millennials? Well, there's, you know, obviously there's no, there's no silver bullet. That's, that, that's a trick question. Um, <laughs> but, but I think, I think there's, there's really, um, there's two sides to it. I believe. I think number one is being really good at ta- at listening. Um, and you know, I was talking with a, a lady the other day who has some, some kids that are kind of going through high school, and she's talking about how they've they've been asking questions and, and I think one of the keys for that parent is to listen to their child, let them process their own faith, let them see the validity of the Christian faith. And so talk with them, engage them. Um, if, if, if we really believe that a guy got up from the dead, then we have to believe that enough to be willing to engage people that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk, uh, listen to them. But the second one is talk to them, talk to them, give them some, as we were talking about earlier, give them some depth. And I'm not saying use big theological words or, you know, state your entire theological stance on your sign out front. <laughs> I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying uh, listen, but also talk. Be be willing to go um, down a little more, a little more from just a, a strictly topical, which is, is is fine preaching if that's if that's the way you are. But we be willing to drill down on that topical approach. Be willing to to, to drill down on the exegetical approach, whatever you're using. Be willing to give them some substance. Because these are people that really need something real. As much as our culture is changing, and as much as we realize we can't depend on anyone, we need something. We're looking for truth, and the church has a great opportunity to give it, but it has to be willing to give it. And I think that the reason a lot of churches aren't is because they're scared to, and they don't know it. And so be willing to be willing to do your do your study, but also be willing to to talk. Be willing to give that depth. All right. So, uh, any parting thoughts here? Any final tips on being a great millennial leader? Well, I think there, there's there's two words that that you'll that you, you certainly don't have to buy the book. I'm not trying to sell a book, but there's two words that you'll see in that book, and those are honor and consistency. Um, as young leaders, the best thing we can do is honor those that God's put in authority over us. 
said is honor comes back around. The more you honor, the more you'll be honored. The more you honor, the more you're going to be, uh, God's going to lift you up. So honor those people, even if you don't always agree with them. Now, obviously, there's there's certain times where you, where you shouldn't. You, you need to look for another job. But <laughs> for the most part, honor those those senior leaders. Be Have their back. Don't talk about them behind their back. Serve them. Serve them so wholeheartedly. Do Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining or arguing. Honor them. And also be consistent. Show up every day. Be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. Consistently love people and, and, and consistently give an attitude of I'm here to work hard and I'm here to serve. So those are, those are the two things that I would leave people with, honor and consistency. That's really good, man. Now t- tell us how we can keep up with you, where we can pick up your resources, how we can follow you. Yeah, all of uh, JonathanPearson.net, um, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-P-E-A-R-S-O-N. JonathanPearson.net has has links to all that stuff. That's the best place to best place to start. I have a little blog and has links to the Millennial Leader site. You can pick up the the, the books there. Um, there's even some free resources on there for you. So that would be the best place to start. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for your insight and uh, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Honored that you would have me. This has been an all-access interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get exclusive content for your team online now at 1230media.com. All International presents New Songs 2017 Winter Jam Tour. Featuring Crowder. Death Avenue North. Sadie Robertson. Andy Minio. Colton Dixon. Thousand Foot Crutch. Hosted by Tour Founders New Song. Plus speaker Tony Nolan. Also introducing free jam artist OBP, Sarah Reeves, Stephen Malcolm. Ten bands, $10 at the door, no tickets. To skip the lines and get in early, become a citizen of Jam Nation. Annual membership started $32.99. Membership includes exclusive entrance, artist Q&A hosted by Sadie Robertson, and more. Download the official Winter Jam app, free on all Apple and Android devices. Visit jamtour.com for all the latest news and behind-the-scenes information. Don't miss the 2017 Winter Jam Tour, Christian Music's largest annual tour. Wrapping things up this week, remember, as always, you can grab tons of free content from this week's show by visiting 1230media.com forward slash 072. You can download a free transcript, PDFs, follow Jonathan, and more. 1230media.com forward slash 072. On the next Church Media Podcast. Next week on the show, I welcome Chris Dinning. 
Chris is the founder of PCOGuru.com. We're going to be chatting all about Planning Center Online. Tons of free tips and tricks, shortcuts, hacks, planning tips, and more. If you use Planning Center at your church, don't miss next week. You're going to pick up a lot of really cool stuff. My special thanks to David Michael Hyde. You can find David composing music for film and digital media and saving the world at davidmichaelhyde.com. And thank you for listening this week. Go out there, guys, and create some incredible experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.